goes to the west. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dowstock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg Carrasco. Shut it off. If you are listening to my voice, you're still alive. And for some of you, that may be good. <laughs> for some of us that are tired, I tired, maybe not so much. Good morning, Nick. How are you? Good morning, Greg. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a spirited conversation before we go on air. And then uh, in traditional Saga 960 uh, support staff fashion, they all suffer severe performance anxiety. Listen, I'm still fired up. I want us to keep our conversations going. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> You're ready, eh? Uh, you know, be- before we get the show started, a couple of things. I want to send a big shout, you know, uh, shout out. Um, you know, happy birthday to Ezra. You know, he is uh, one of the little guys with the most beautiful souls I've ever met. The man's man. It's the only, the only human on the planet that was ever able to keep up with me eating steak and steak tartare. <laughs> this was coming from an eight-year-old at the time. Uh, but anyways, happy birthday. Uh, secondly, I want to send a big shout out to my buddy, Greg Lalonde. Lalonde. I don't know how you say his last name. Lalonde. He is the heir to the throne of Blazer for Man in Oakville. Uh, he is my personal fashionista. Uh, if you if you like uh, nice clothes and um, money isn't an issue, <laughs> go see my buddy Greg at Place for Man. Uh, you know, thank you, man. You you make me look better than I deserve, and that's a that's a difficult thing to do. So what I don't have in looks, I have to make it up in style. <laughs> so. Mr. Lalonde is personally responsible uh, for my um, for my wardrobe on the radio, as you all say that my face is perfect for radio. And uh, last but not least, <laughs> I want to send uh, a big thank you, and I say a, a big, big, big thank you to my partner Luis Costa. Um, he is uh, the, 
my partner, friend, and co-owner of Okta BJJ. Um, this past Tuesday, Nick, uh, he, uh, we were in the middle of the class. I was helping, you know, with, uh, you know, helping with the class, whatever. And he said, Greg, I'm going to go and, and teach eight o'clock class at Eva, my other school, you know, where I used to go. You want to come with me? And I said, sure. I'm hanging out with some of my friends there. Love the guys at Evo. So we drove and, you know, his son, Michael, came with us and we got to Evo and there was an unusually large number of people. And I'm like, mm, this doesn't look like a regular class. So, you know, we, we said hello, uh, typical pleasantries. And um, then next thing I know, I see my son walking in and I'm thinking, so I got promoted. It was a surprise promotion, and um, I was moved up in the ranks of uh, my jujitsu journey, and that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty amazing. Congratulations, Greg! Yeah, thank you. Uh, almost almost six years and over three thousand hours of training. Uh, finally, I got my last promotion, and uh, I was super super. You know, it was a heartfelt promotion for the very simple reason that. Uh, uh, I knew that it was going to happen at some point this year. I didn't know when, but uh, opening up a school uh, always opens up questions about, oh, yeah, you, can, you, you have your own school now. You're going to be a black belt next year. Yeah, sure. It doesn't work that way in jiu-jitsu, folks. It does not. And um, I have the worst, the absolute worst best friend that you can possibly imagine. So I am his best friend. No, he's my best friend. I'm not his best friend. We've discussed this before. And he said to me, Greg, oh, you know, now you want to be jiu-jitsu school. You're going to be a black belt next week. And, and I thought, man, if you, as my worst best friend, can say that to me and then validate all my efforts, I wonder what other, what the losers will say, you know, when you have a radio show and you talk to the world on a regular basis. And often about sensitive topics, is we're, we're a big target here. So I also didn't want to get up and go and invalidate all the effort and the, the time spent with my friends at Evo. So it was a really interesting conundrum. So I, um, I had lunch with the, the, you know, my friends, the owners of the two schools and, you know, my partner. And I said, guys, look, man, whenever this promotion happens or if it ever happens, I don't care. I just want to make sure that all of you are there because you're all important to me in, in, a, in a very, very special and meaningful way. So on Tuesday, when, when I got promoted, Professor Toma uh, did a wonderful speech and told everybody that I never stopped talking. Great. <laughs> so uh, all three of the professors hang on to my belt and pull just to keep it tight. So I got the validation of three jiu-jitsu professors to co-sign on that promotion. And that was very, very, very meaningful and Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you to all the people that, you know, had been part of this journey on jiu-jitsu. And it's tough, man. It's the most difficult thing I do. Um, living is one thing. Doing jiu-jitsu is something else. Uh, but that was, that was fascinating. That's, that's awesome, Greg. So now, so you said now you have a purple belt, right? I know. Eh? <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. Uh, in, you know, believe it or not, in, in jiu-jitsu, um, colors actually mean something. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu is one of the only martial arts that a high-level white belt is a relatively dangerous person. 
in comparison to the general population. You know, they know things that most people don't. Um, but historically speaking, and everyone that is part of the community knows that most people quit a blue belt because blue belt is tough. It's, it's a tough belt. Um, you know enough to know that you don't know anything. And uh, that can eat up your brain. And uh, it's an exercise of, it's a battle of attrition between you and your own confidence and, and brain. And I was just super happy. Uh, it still feels surreal. You know, Professor Dave from Evo bought me a special purple belt from, you know, it's a, it's a specific brand that I wear geese from. And uh, it was so cute, man. He, uh, he was carrying it around in the car for a couple of weeks or so. His wife told me, and it was just I love you guys. You guys are amazing. Um, it makes me so happy to be part of a community of grown-ups that uh, that are able to share uh, promotions even with a sister school. And I love it. Most martial arts schools are not that way. They're very protective. They're very uh, infantile, if you will. They, they, um, they're always competing with each other, and, and there is not a lot of support. And I didn't want to have that with my school. So, you know, it was, uh, it was fascinating. Uh, also, the, um, a shout out to my crew, Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. You guys make me look good. Uh, I have some big news coming up uh, from the Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity front that once it becomes solid, once uh, everything is signed, I will be sharing with you folks on air, but uh, something that I've been waiting for a very, 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 very long time. And it seemed to have become a reality. And um, uh, at the moment that this becomes official, you folks here on the show will be the first one to know you've been following me for years. So it's only fair that, um, that I share with you what we're doing, but um, the phone lines are open. Uh, this has been a big week of news. <laughs> That's what we were talking about before, before we, we came on air and uh, if you uh, if you want to talk about this Supreme Court decision in the United States, uh, you can call me 289-275-9600. Again, 289-275-9600. Um, this is the Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show, but uh, we leave the phones open to see and to hear what's on your mind. Um, I'm going to discuss with you on the way, you know, the first hour has always been about the car industry on Saturdays. Everybody that works in the industry, uh, the the engaged one, not the, not the slackers. The slackers are at home taking days off. Oh, my tummy hurts, you know, <laughs> calling in sick. You know, that's that's not good. Uh, most most producers are on their way to the office right now. Um, I'm thinking of you. I love you all, especially one, but I love you all. There is one of you also that I don't love. You know who you are. There's no love for you. None. Zip. Nada. Nothing. Nothing for you. Jacob, take us to a break. We'll be right back. When I cross the street, it's the cars that have to look both ways. 
I'm Chuck Norris, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Hi, guys. This is Roberto Alomar, and you are listening to the one and only The Greg Carrasco Show. Folks, uh, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show that is mostly not about cars. The phone lines are open. You can call us, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Whatever's on your mind, you can talk to me. I'm the shoulder the city uses to cry on. <laughs> I can see Nick rolling his eyes. <laughs> wow, the disrespect. Disrespect. No, 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 Greg. I was just going to say beyond the city, because obviously it's not just one city that listens to you. No, man, we uh, we got friends from Colorado calling the show last week. That was amazing. Colorado? Well, yeah, I have people I, that I remember, re- yeah, people reach out to me from all over the country, from BC to PEI. Um, the downloads of the podcast are growing aggressively, so you can always catch me on iTunes. <laughs> it's funny Uh, you can catch me on iTunes you can catch me on Spotify you can uh, download the podcast on Google Podcasts and uh, if you're thinking about getting another tattoo do it (laughs) that's my advice my general advice this morning Jacob what do you think if you want to get another tattoo just do it do you have any tattoos uh, Jacob Kind of. I have <laughs> so my. I, what? I have when I was when I was. This is actually kind of a funny story. When I was in grade seven, or, or was it or whatever in middle school, I somehow managed. I always had the the stupidest injuries when I was a kid. I managed to there was we were in the middle of the classroom, and I was running around the classroom, and there was a pencil sticking out of like you know those like you know the containers that God, I see the end of the story and it's barfy anyways i i ru- somehow ran into the pencil and uh-huh. the, then it just left a mark so that's the extent of the tattoo my doctor called it a tattoo so i pretty much have a a, a pencil a tattoo on my arm tattooed yeah. on you yeah so i've i've been through it i have been through it let me tell you that so a very thin tattoo <laughs> You, you you can't you can barely see it, that's, that's but okay, it's there. <laughs> it still counts, you know. <laughs> you know, I uh, there is um there is a couple of tattoos that I need to put on, and, yeah, and I have to. It's just part of a tradition. You see, I have all jujitsu belts tattooed on my body on the side here, as a commitment to things. I don't have any issues with commitment, so um, every time I get one, I just put the date and when I received it. So now I have to put a date for the purple one. But also, you know, I, I know that this is going to sound weird to you folks, but um, 
um, I, I've been seeing a therapist for, I don't know, maybe two and a half years. I think that everybody should have a therapist. My, my therapist is an OG, man. He is a badass. And I can tell you that there, is a, there were two definite parts of my life, you know, before therapy and after therapy. And this guy has done things for me, with me, that I couldn't possibly imagine. So I am going to tattoo something that represents my relationship with my therapist. I know it sounds weird. And I don't expect you weirdos to understand this. But, uh, you know, we tattoo ourselves for different reasons. You know, it's a reminder of the, uh, you know, therapy's hard, man. Therapy's hard. And if you actually are committed to the process, uh, you will come out a different person on the other side. Any thoughts on that, Nick? No, hey, you know, I think, uh, like you said, I think a, a lot of people need some some kind of therapy and they, they don't even realize it. And it can be uh, different things. It could be talking to an actual therapist or it could be something else. You know, when it, when it comes to tattoos, I, I, I un- totally understand why people do it, especially when it has a meaning in their life or it, it refers to something that they've they've done. All of mine mean something. Uh, Every single one of them. Don't ask. It's just, it's just my stuff. I'll ask you one by one. You know, they have to go through it. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I think uh, I was counting the other day. I think I have about 70. <laughs> wow. Well, when did you get your first tattoo? When I was 40. You were 40. Wow. I was 40 years old. So, so what, what happened? Why uh, did, did you wait till 40? Um, I was afraid. Okay. I, I was afraid of, uh, you know, the, the judgment because... I was born in a culture in which if you were a criminal, the chances are that you had a tattoo. You know? <laughs> that was the thing. In fact, I remember getting arrested when I was in high school. And uh, after driving or being driven around the ghettos of Santiago, <laughs> some of the roughest parts that you can think of, and being put in the, uh, in the back of a, uh, of a wagon with actual criminals. I was dressed in, you know, my school, high school uniform. Uh, the first thing they did when they took us into the uh, jail cell was just to get us undressed to see if we had any gang related tattoos. That's the first thing that you look for back home. But this was again, back in the eighties. Um, yes, Jacob. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, Greg, but Nick, I'm sure you've seen this. Have you seen the people like the sports fans and they'll tattoo like their team's logo and champions and then a year. Have you have you seen that, Nick? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I do. And that, that takes guts because that's like people will do like if they're a Leafs fan and they'll do Leafs championship, Leafs, Leafs Stanley Cup 2030. Oh, no. I was about to go down a severely judgmental road right now, <laughs> but I have decided that uh, you're going to take the high road. Uh, I'm going to take the high road. <laughs> Who am I to judge uh, to judge anyone when it comes to tattoos? Listen, I, in certain cases, I could see, okay, maybe they have a lot of faith in their team. I, listen, Jacob, I, I don't want to speak against the Leafs, but ooh, that, that's not a bet you want to make uh, just with listen. a permanent tattoo. Well, it's with any team. Why would you want to make that bet? Oh, like, you're, you're it, right. It, it's but, stuck with you. If, uh, the odds listen, that your team wins are so important low. Thing, if the most important thing in your life, uh, Jacob, if the one thing that uh, you know drives you to, to get something 
permanently marked on your body is your local sports team, man, that goes to tell you, you have a pretty good life, man. <laughs> you have a pretty good life because if there is nothing else that will mess you up, nothing else that traumatize you, not, nothing else and no one else that you've loved enough, nothing that means more than your hockey team. I, I, I want that life, man. I, <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you're a Quebec's hockey team fan. Oh no! Oh no! You you, you didn't just go there. <laughs> I did, man. Oh man! Well, you Quebec might. should never get a hockey team. They should but never bet, ever get a hockey team. You, I'm sorry. You better you better hope you don't have any fans from Quebec City because they'll, they'll be tuning I don't out care. right now. <laughs> you guys can run a hockey team. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Anyways, I, I don't just want to let you know, uh, Greg. We have a caller. Oh, we do. We Who do, do we have on the line? Uh, I'm I'm 99% sure it's Praveen uh, because it, the, the message right now, you know, is is, is not much, but I'm seeing a pre- previous mes- message saying Praveen from Kelowna looking for a free pizza. So. Oh no, Praveen. <laughs> Thank you for calling the Carrasco show. I hear you're in town. Thank you for calling the show, brother. How are you? I was trying to call my therapist and <laughs> I got, I got you. I don't know. I like, the second best person for me. <laughs> I think I got, I might've phoned the wrong number. So, you're the right place. I'll settle, I'll settle for you guys being my therapist this morning. So, um, I'm good, man. How are you? You know, we just having the time of our lives here on Saga 960 on Saturday mornings. You know, I, I got to tell you, Praveen, because you are uh, you are materially responsible for me switching stations <laughs> and uh, well, or, blame, or blame. I'm one of the two. So. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I'll give you credit for it because <laughs> I can tell you this. I don't do well with restrictions, man. I, I can't, you know, if you want to kill my right. soul, try to micromanage me or, or censor me. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying that I'm going to do anything bad. I'm just saying that I don't like the idea of having, you know, big brother just monitoring everything that I do. And I can tell you that for, for my soul, if I have one, I don't think I do, but if I did have one uh, and for my mind, the uh, moving to Saga 960 was the absolute best thing that I could have ever done personally in my radio career. And you are, uh, you were responsible for this. Well, so thank you. Well, thank you. And you have done well by us. So um, kudos to um, to both of us, I guess. But uh, no, it's been great uh, having you on. And it's nice to be in the same time zone. So can actually get up and listen to the show. And um, yeah, that's why I felt obligated and needed and had to call you this morning. So. And now I know that I may be seeing you this afternoon. Where can I find you? There is a festival up in Brampton, I hear. Yeah, we are at the uh, Chinkuzi Park at uh, in uh, Brampton, uh, Queen Street, I believe. And uh, there is a uh, Peel Crime Stoppers event, pre-Canada Day event, where we're uh, where they're honoring the frontline workers that uh, have been helping us through the last few uh, couple of years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be, uh, there's a free barbecue for everyone. There's uh, music. There's uh, uh, the frontline workers are here. So come on down. Uh, Saga 960 will be broadcasting live from Chinkuzi Park at starting at 11 o'clock uh, till 2 o'clock. So uh, uh, come on down and uh, check out the proceedings. It's going to be a great day here. It's already uh, quite hot out here. So know, uh, it's like it's like a hundred degrees outside Celsius. <laughs> well, yeah, I know this, this, this heat dome is following. It's uh, 
it's just crazy this weather here. So, so you came, uh, um, you but, came to uh, the Caribbean of Toronto because uh, I know that BC is always <laughs> cloudy, right? So, uh, you, you may be a vampire like <laughs> Edward Cullen, you know, moving into Seattle. You know, there's never sun. Over there. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I don't know. I thought it was. Uh, I was thought it was only uh, crazy stuff that happens out west, but apparently, all this weather comes over here uh, as well. But. Uh, Sorry, no, no, no. Somebody was asking me for directions. Oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hey, listen, um, you know, that's, that's people relying on people. That, I love that, man. <laughs> you should take that uh, well, anytime. It, it could have been live on air, right? So, uh, but uh, no, I'm not looking to enjoy my stay in Toronto for the next couple of days and looking forward to see you, Mr. Carrasco, uh, here later this afternoon. So, uh, since listening to you this morning, I'm going to go see a therapist and I'm going to get a tattoo. So <laughs> thank you for that. Pravi, uh, that's, that's the program director for Song Night Sexy. Thank you so much for calling the show and I look forward to, uh, to give you a hug this afternoon. It's been too long. Absolutely, my, uh, my good friend. We'll see you uh, later today. Have a good show. Thanks, brother. That was Praveen, folks. He is the, uh, the he's the, the man that's personally responsible for keeping the relationship alive. I uh, I started doing business with Saga Nine Sixty a few years back, and and then uh, the, my previous network came up, and you know it, it was it was the right thing to do at the time, the wrong thing to do in the long run. But what are we gonna do? So I this is what we're gonna do, folks. And I I know that. Um, um, many of you are still driving to the office and, and many of you, you know, sit in the parking lot just listening to what I'm saying before you go into your sales meeting. But um, I tell you, uh, I've been doing a lot of reflection in, in relation to the car industry because that's where my area of expertise actually is. And the rest don't listen to me. You know, it's just opinions. Uh, but when it comes to the car industry, I like to think that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, and, that, and, and that knowledge is evolving. That knowledge is changing. I mean, what I knew uh, a year ago is not the same what I should know today because we live in a different car industry that it was six months, a year, two years, and definitely three years ago. So what I want to share with you is in, what in my perspective are the biggest challenges that people that are in the industry, whether it's car manufacturers, dealer principals, general managers, and, and staff at car dealers are going to have to deal with for the foreseeable future because this isn't going to change. And uh, some of the things that I'll share with you may surprise you um, because the, the pressures that are being put in the incumbents in the car industry are so formidable that the car industry may never be able to recover. And uh, I think it's important for us to explore some of the thoughts that, that I have put into this, because you, you may be surprised uh, of what you're going to hear. This show every Saturday is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And yeah, make no mistake about it. Yes, we want to sell you a vehicle. That's what the show is about. And uh, if you know your stuff, you know that you do not make a car buying decisions before you come and see me, whether I have the vehicle or not. I'm going to try to stop you from making a mistake. I'm going to give you options, but ultimately you're going to do whatever you want to do. And for that, I live at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. I have no life. You all know this during the day. I'm at Oakville Nissan, Oakville Infinity and at nighttime until 1030 or so these some days. 
I'm at Octa BJJ in Oakville. I live in those two places. That's why it's difficult to keep relationships alive for me. I work a lot. Oh, well. Take us to a break, Jacob. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture, and if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. Hi, everybody. This is Haley Wickenheiser, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. I have watched in the last 20 years I kid you not it's a phenomenal movie it's a, I said it's one of the best movies not the best movies come on Jacob you're being harsh on me it's one of the better movies that I've watched in a very 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 long time and it's simply because uh, I couldn't find anything that I was that was objectionable to it it's, uh, there was no it's like uh, the, 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 the culture um, <laughs> effects the uh, the social political environment uh, and all this nonsense that we keep hearing in the media hasn't was not a part of this it was, it was beautiful did you watch it yeah, I did and I'm not a big action movie guy typically like I, I, I'm either a comedy or like a thriller or thriller not horror but like a thriller dramatic movie but so action movies aren't usually for me like everything like fast and furious even the original top gun i'm not wasn't a huge fan of but i just found myself really enjoying this movie i don't know what about it it was i just enjoyed it from the start to the end i think you i I can tell you what it was so you liked it it was uh tom cruise's handsome good looks (laughs) that too that that, i mean that can't hurt yeah yeah he's uh, he's been a man crush for a long time that dude never changes man he's like a vampire i kid you not if you look at movies from him in the the original top gun he looks the same now he he looks the exact same he doesn't really age seriously it's uh and and it, as an actor in Hollywood, that's that's a pretty good thing. <laughs> you know, t- while Tom Cruise ages like wine, I age like milk. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Uh, but speaking of the new good, good quality milk, but milk, <laughs> milk nonetheless. What's that? But speaking of the new uh, Top Gun movie, I I have not seen it yet, but I do want to see it. Yeah, you, sh- you should. It. Yeah, you should go down and, and have a look at it. But anyways, be- before the break, folks, um, we were talking about 
some of the pressures the car business right now is is going under and um Having been in the industry for the last three decades, I can tell you that this is nothing that I've ever seen. Uh, I, I have seen uh, the the financial collapse in 2008. I have seen corporate welfare by governments giving taxpayer monies to failing companies that should have never be kept alive. It's none of the citizens' business to help a failing industry or a failing car manufacturer, but they did it anyways votes you know how it is but today what we see is something far larger than the problems of 2008 not not only because of the duration uh that this is going to have but also because of the number of angles that the industry is getting attacked from and one of the the first things that came to mind was recession I know we don't like to talk about the R word. We don't. We don't like to say it. We don't like to hear it. But the truth is that we are one of the, the states of, of the United States. Uh, you know, uh, as an autonomous nation, we don't really have a lot of differences between the United States from an economical standpoint. Whatever happens there eventually is going to happen here. And um, recessions are so unpredictable. We We don't know how long they're going to last. We don't know how severe they will become, but also it is sort of Darwinian ways of thinning the herd of what industries are solid or not. It will destroy a lot of systems and industries that are not stable or profitable enough for them to survive the attack of uh, an economic downturn, although this one was man-made. So the recession is going to have a long-lasting effect on the car industry in ways that we have not yet discovered. The next challenge that the car industry globally is going to have is the fact that the dealer franchise model is so old and, in my views, is completely obsolete. You see... What you see right now, folks, the supply chain problems that they're telling you about, and I know there may be very many of you that are going to disagree with me, and that's perfectly fine. The lines are open, 289-275-9600. You can argue with me on this. What we are seeing right now are it's textbook side effects of globalization. You see, when, when a country cannot depend on itself to be able to provide with the goods and services needed by their own citizens, then you are nothing more than a victim to wars, famine, civil wars, for that matter, in countries that you have nothing to do with. So when you see that today you cannot get a vehicle, you cannot get basic transportation simply because a plant shut down in Taiwan. What do I have to do with Taiwan? I have nothing to do with Taiwan. I don't want it to have anything to do with Taiwan. Not because I don't like Taiwanese people. That has nothing to do with it. But it's got to do with the fact that you, right now, your life, your mobility, your ability to go to work is being challenged by some think tank that decided that Removing the borders from an economic bad, you know, standing was a good thing to do. 
Now, I resent the sticker. <laughs> I'll explain this. We've all seen the bumper sticker that says, out of a job yet, keep buying foreign. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. But whenever you see that sticker, it immediately tells you of the intellectual capacity of the driver. It makes no sense. Why? Because buying foreign vehicles, all vehicles are foreign in Canada. Canada does not have a Canadian car manufacturer. We do not. I know you like to think you do, but you do not. And if you think of the American imports as domestic vehicles, no, they aren't. But you're going to say they have plants in here. Okay, then I, I challenge. So does Toyota and Honda. So are they domestic brands? So until nations become self-sufficient, we will always be at the mercy of the instability of the political systems of other countries. And what's happening today is a perfect example of what this push for globalization could mean to you. There is a drought in Florida, so now I have to pay more for oranges up here. There is a lockdown in China. Now I can't get my rogue with the TFT screen and the, and the computer chips. What are we talking about? And unfortunately, until we change the cumbersome and slow supply chain problems, because by the time we buy all the parts from the different suppliers from a global standpoint, by the time all the materials get to the plant, by the time the transportation stays on point, by the time they hit rails here in Vancouver all the way to Ontario, you will always be at the mercy of what is happening globally. And there is not a single thing you can do about it. Number eight, Tesla is a big, big threat to the traditional dealer system. And I'll tell you why it's a threat. You see, Tesla owns all the stores. There are no franchisees for Tesla. Tesla owns everything. That's why you, if you want to get in for service, you have to wait for four or five months. But you see, buying a Tesla has become a status symbol these days. And because we are such impressionable, fickle nation that we like to flex our money by driving something that makes no sense at this particular junction in our lives, we just buy this thing. It's like a, you know, sink. What do you call it? What is that saying? You know, uh, hook and sinker. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a fishing reference. You know, there is where the, uh, the fact that I'm an immigrant comes into place. <laughs> hook, line, and sink. There you go. Hook, yeah. line, and sink. There you yeah. go. That's what I meant. Don't judge me. I'm trying. <laughs> but Tesla, Tesla has shortened that production and delivery chain to the point that they go straight from the factory to the dealer. That's it. There is no in between. There is no middleman. There is, they own the entire system. Now, some may say car manufacturers are becoming more like it. Some of them did. And, you know, I have to tell you this because when it took place, he – he disrupted a lot of dealers. Um, my friend, my good friend, Don Romano, the president of Hyundai and Genesis Canada, 
he removed all Genesis franchises and created a, a, a delivery system. So now there were boutique stores with no inventory in which the manufacturer owned all the inventory. So you bought a vehicle, the manufacturer delivered it to the store, the store delivered it to you, and that was that. There was nothing to be sold. There was nothing to be negotiated. There was nothing. Everything was already prepaid. So that was the first time that a regular car manufacturer was taking that approach that an electric vehicle manufacturer was doing. I think that Don Romano is going to go into the Canadian automotive history books as one of the biggest visionaries. And I, I appreciate that. Because he's a friend. But Tesla is challenging the distribution model in ways that we have never seen it before, folks. And a lot of people are gravitating towards that. I'm going to pay a $30,000 premium so I don't pay an additional 50 cents on my gas. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> no more gas you need to... <laughs> You know, you know how far you need to drive for, for that thirty thousand dollar premium for it to make sense. Ah, uh, there's something wrong with the world. I'm gonna post this TED lecture that I that I saw the other day in relation to the fallacy of the electric vehicle today and and the notions that we have that are mostly wrong. But that's not the purpose of this conversation here. The next thing I, I believe is going to challenge the traditional dealership model is the, the low-end car market. You see ride-sharing, ride-hailing, and people just not buying cars. It's having a huge effect on the notion of buying low-end vehicles. So if you, if you live in an urban center, like say Toronto, and you work in Toronto, the transportation system is so robust that you could very well not ever need a vehicle. They have electric bikes downtown. You can go from place to place and almost no money to be spent there. You don't have to pay for insurance. You don't have to pay for gas. You don't have to pay for parking. You don't have to pay for anything. Transportation is becoming so inexpensive at the low end that it doesn't even make sense sometimes for people that work from home to have transportation in the holistic sense, having a car in the driveway, because then you just rent a car from when you need it. Especially when the statistics says that over 94% of the life of a car is spent parked somewhere, not used. Because when you really think about it, if it takes you 45 minutes to get to work, in 45 minutes to come back. That's mostly just an hour and a half a day out of 24 hours. So on that basis alone, over 90% of the life of your car, it is spent looking really good as a driveway ornament. And there are some pretty expensive driveway ornaments in Oakville. <laughs> They look good. That's a $50,000 BMW just parked in the driveway. I've seen it. I see it every time. every time I go to the office. I see it parked there. I've never seen it moved. It's got dust on top. It's a thing. The next thing that is going to disrupt the car industry is China. 
believe it or not, China, unbeknownst to most people, is the largest car market on the planet. And guess what? Very soon, very, very soon, it will become self-sufficient when it comes to their own production of vehicles. Which means that import vehicles into China will have to compete with Chinese brands. And from a price perspective, there will be no comparison. The Chinese product is going to be significantly different. So all that legacy cost that unions and whatnot would have on imports, because every vehicle is an import in China if it's not Chinese built, will make it virtually impossible for all the car manufacturers to compete in the largest car market on the planet. And a very little known fact is that Tesla just broke ground with their own factory in China. You know, I, I think we do have time for a phone call. Who do we have on the line? Uh, Will, who wants to get a valuation on a vehicle. Will, how can I help you this morning? Will. Hi, Greg. Hey, how are you, man? How can I make your life better this morning? I'm doing well, Greg. Um, we're not going to tackle Roe v. Wade this morning. We'll do that another time. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't, I didn't prepare my lines to get into a big philosophical discussion this morning on Roe v. Wade with you. Okay. But we can do it another time. Uh, you know, I'm always ready. And that's one of the beauties of live radio, that uh, if you have your, if, you see, if your philosophical line is, 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 um, is honest, you should be consistent. And uh, my consistency, uh, Actually, it came through yesterday when I heard the ruling and um, I found the I, I saw the, the hypocrisy that we found in the media, and especially coming from the left uh, with the outrage um, that uh, they were showing about uh, people not having rights over their own body. Meanwhile, they've been forcing people to put things inside the body for the last two years and they're losing their jobs and losing everything. It's like, I don't know, man. If you're going to yeah, force people to do things in their body that uh, they don't want to do, then you need to at least remain consistent. Yeah, and, and, and really, and it's so disingenuous that we're, that we're even making such a big deal about this in, in Canada that that is a great point that you brought up. I've made the same point on, uh, on Twitter as well. Um, and the other thing is, finally we get to define what a woman is because the latest nominee to the Supreme Court, when she was asked during the hearings, she couldn't even decide what a woman was. But here we are talking about Roe v. Wade, and I actually called you about evaluation on her. Hold on a second, Will. I think that we have to be careful with that because, look, I'm not a woman, nor I am in a position to define one which one is. <laughs> and so, but at the same time, I can tell you this, that uh, in, in relation to the decision that was made at the Supreme Court, I am a trillion percent against that decision. But this is what happens when the government overreaches. So if I'm not surprised that this took place in the United States. And you know what the funny thing is, is that they're blaming everything on Trump again, because everything, you know, according to the left in the United States, Trump is the most 
powerful human that ever lived because everything is Donald Trump's fault. Still, it's like, hold on a second. <laughs> you know, I can tell you this. That if this happened under Trump's uh, uh, administration, the, the whole country would have gone up on fire. Actually, it's going up in flames right now again. But uh, that's a whole different conversation. Well, talk to me. What is it that you want to know this morning? Um, <clears throat> well, just to finish on that, I, I don't think it's a bad thing that this was batted back to the state level. I think I think personally, I think that's a good thing. But that's where you and I part ways. on Yeah, that no, issue. I know. I, you know, um, and I'll, I'll tell you this. I disagree with you wholeheartedly on that, because whatever a woman does with her body is none of my business. And it should be nobody's business ever. Ever, ever. It's not up to the state to decide what a woman does with her business, with her body. And uh, I, I, yeah. I, will, I, I will stand on that position uh, at whatever cost. Sure. But, uh, you know, sure. we, we are I'm OK all... to disagree. Well, you see, that's the beauty about this show, yeah. that we can still be friends and disagree uh, aggressively. You know what I mean? I'll talk to you. I hate you right now, but I'll keep talking to you. How's that? <laughs> oh, wow. He is a strong, he, he is a strong word. But talk to me. How can I help you? Okay, my aunt is, thankfully, has finally reached a point. She's in her 80s, and she shouldn't have been driving for a while already. But she's decided to let her license go, thank the Lord. What year is um, it And she has, she has a 2015 Nissan Altima. Trim okay. level is G, with about uh, 85Ks on it. And she wants to, she How wants many Ks? to sell it. 55? 85, 85, 85,000 kilometers. And what, and it's, and it's, what model it's is beautiful. it? Beautiful. Like a, it's Nissan Altima. Yeah. But I mean, there is no G designation. This is a 2.5. Is it an S, a sales, SV? What is it? I don't know. Like I looked on the outside of it. I looked okay, on so the outside of it. a very simple question. Does it have a sunroof? No. Uh, okay. But it has all the electric windows and all the controls yeah, on the that's steering wheel. And the standard equipment. Does it have okay. um, uh, leather interior? No, probably not because it doesn't have a sunroof. So, you know, what you're describing to me is probably an S. So it's a basic model. Um, you know, a Nissan Altima okay. King with everything power, even in that year. Oh, but, I uh, see. Okay. Uh, let me see here. Do, 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 do. Now, when when is she looking at selling this thing? Um, anytime. Um, let me just punch this in my system here, and I might have to call you afterwards. Um, it's probably worth about, I don't know, 10000 Okay. That's what it's probably worth. Okay. I mean, on a wholesale perspective, I mean, when you sell a retail, it would probably be worth more. But you have pretty low kilometers, and uh, I doubt the recondition is going to be too high. I mean, the only advantage that you have by trading it in is that if I give you that amount of money and you like it, I'll give you another $1,000 for gas cards. That's what we're doing at the store uh, for the time being. But, you know, well, do me a favor. Call me after the show. Uh, I will send you a text with my uh, direct phone number, and then we can discuss it because we need to go for a break. Well, thank you so much for calling the Carrasco Show, folks. You are listening to myself. Slacky number one. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. And guess what? For the time being, we still have some cars in stock. Surprise, surprise. We have our money sage, our money Yoda coming on the other side of the hour. Money Mike is going to join us. Jacob, take us to a break. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
What's up, sports fans? Forrest Griffin here, and I want you to check out the Greg Carrasso Show. Check him out. Greg and the gang. Uh, yeah, enjoy. It is time for Greg Carrasco. Kick it. Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasso Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guest from the East Coast to the West. man and I have been a poor man and I choose rich every time. He's taking a stroll down the catwalk with this intro, intro song. Your life is about to change, folks. Your life is about to change. Because the fate of those who don't care about money is left to those that do. And that's what Money Mike does. In my opinion, not only he is the handsomest financial advisor on the planet. He is also one of the most effective ones. Money Mike is in the house. Mike, how are you? Just waiting for that modeling contract to come in. Greg, I'm doing well. Doing well. <laughs> you see, uh, uh, Jacob comes from another show. So in, in the other show, they let you in like two seconds before you go <laughs> on air. So here... Uh, we just film and we, you know, we, 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 you know, we talk about nonsense right before we go on air and that's what usually happens, but he doesn't know. So, um, but Jacob is, is, is pretty cool. He's, he's a cool guy. We like Good Jacob. morning, Jacob. Good morning, Jacob. Good morning, Mike. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you as well. Yeah. It's probably best that you and I don't get a lot of off air time together. Trouble ensues. <laughs> uh, folks, if you um, if you are um, really listening this morning, um, you should probably write this information down. Uh, you can write moneymike.ca again, moneymike.ca, or you can write nine zero five three two zero six seven six two nine zero five three two zero six seven six two. That is Money Mike's direct phone line after the show. And if you are one of the smart ones, just like many, 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 many of my listeners have done over the years, and you want to take control of your finances and your retirement, especially if you're a high net worth person and you need some guidance, or you haven't heard from your financial advisor in the last two years, or especially in the last three months since the market is, has gone a little bit batty, uh, it's probably time to call Money Mike. How are you, man? How is it going? It's it's going well. It's uh, been, as you can uh, imagine, it's been a busy time. And, uh, you know, I've, 
funny not to talk entirely just about the money stuff. You know, last week when we were on the show, uh-huh. you were booking an appointment with me on air because we had some stuff to address. And sadly, I guess it's probably best we let the listeners in that I too on air are going to have to book your services today because of my misfortune situation, my misfortune, you know, the sudden demise, a car (laughs) runs perfectly and never has a problem until all of a sudden it does. And mine did. That's the reason why people prefer camels over horses. (laughs) Why is that? Uh, because uh, horses are phenomenal and they last forever and ever and ever. And when they just die, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> camels give you signs. You know that something is up. You know, maybe we should get off. Maybe, I don't know, let the guy rest for a bit. But horses do not know when to stop. And uh, but look, man, I mean, close to a quarter of a million kilometers out of your out of your car. That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty high number. It's no, it's, it treated me, it treated me great. I, I had no issues, but yeah, to go from running beautifully to, yeah, you need a new car because this one won't move forward anymore. Um, that was, that was kind of surprising, <laughs> but that's, uh, you know, we roll with it. So thank goodness I'm not looking for a car in, um, in a tight overpriced market. So but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. You, you just happen to uh, have the most, uh, it's the most poetic thing that could have happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> Your car broke down in the absolute worst possible time to buy yep. a car. Uh, but, you know, believe it or not, it can always get worse. And uh, Really? Uh, yes, actually, it can. Eek. The uh, interest rates are going to go up twice more before the end of the year. Yeah. In pri- before before the end of summer. Remember, I mean, end of the year before end of summer. Are you talking about gas prices or just interest rates? Interest, interest rate. rates. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it's the same thing these days. But, uh, you know, interest rates are going to go up twice more in the yeah. foreseeable future before the end of the year, for sure. And according to Mike, before the end of the summer. But also car prices are going to go up again twice more before the end of the year. So as crazy and as expensive things may seem to you right now, they are less expensive than what they will be two or three or four months from now. So my advice to you is very simple. Go out now and make the decision today. It's going to cost you less than if you wait. You know, it's, it's, but unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> Michael, this is something that I have suffered my entire life. People don't believe people that work in the car industry. They don't, they don't believe us. Well, you know, because everybody, everybody knows better. I, I, I suffer from that in my industry a little bit as well. Not everyone, but there's always people who know better. And um, yeah, I'm not one of those people, which is uh, I, I definitely do not know better, which is why my afternoon today will be accepting offers from car dealerships to sell me their car. It's, um, you know, I know I am in the driver's seat here. I have got the chief negotiating position as I show up at, at the dealership in my Uber uh, to look at cars they're uh, they're going to feel the weight of my negotiating power. What time are you coming, by the way? Uh, like one one thirty. Okay, excellent. Just to make sure that uh, that I'm I get there in time. You know, I need to put the makeup on to make sure that I look yes. good for you. 
Of course. I'm going to be working for change. But anyways, you know, I, I'm going to try to keep um, whatever is happening in the uh, in the political side of the U.S. out of this hour for obvious reasons. Appreciate that. <laughs> okay, I will I will not be taking phone calls on the Supreme Court ruling. I'll leave that for the next hour. I will get myself into trouble. Uh, I will I will protect Money Mike with all of me. So please, if you want to talk about that, don't call this hour. Um, but if you do want to talk about finances and your money and your retirement, this is this is the time to do it. 289-275-9600. The lines are open. You can call me anytime. Now, before we get into into the meat of the conversation, yeah. I just said meat. <laughs> my mouth just watered. <laughs> and it's nine o'clock in the morning. But what's happening with the market? Has has it gone? down even further is it uh, stabilizing a bit oh what, no no of course on? it's gone down further so you know the the week after i was on the show last time was probably the worst week of the year um the largest decline in a single week and then for some strange reason of course this week was positive the mm-hmm. uh, the five the, the five day and all the markets was was on the upswing so you know the uh, the volatility continues the uncertainty and unpredictability of the markets uh, continues and it's 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 causing some some worry out there, continuing to cause worry. Um, for those of you that was uh, that were listening to the uh, the beginning of the show, I, I met Mike last this week yeah. to discuss finances. I think you, this was the first time ever that I asked you what's going on with my my investments, but uh, not because of fear. Just I was just curious. Conversationally. Yeah, yeah. it's conversational. I don't, yeah. don't, you know, to be honest with you, I don't care. And I, I'm not saying this on a flippant way. Everyone should care about this. But the truth is, I don't care simply because I'm not retiring right now. I'm not doing right. it. So whatever the market is doing today is, you know, is... It only becomes a reality if I take my money out. <laughs> well, and, 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 do that. and so that's where, you know, when you say I'm not retiring now, even if you are retired now, um, as much as you should be informed and be aware of what's, what's going on there, it doesn't mean you should be scared. You know, I, I, probably of all the appointments I do in a week right now, a quarter of them are uh, impromptu meetings, short-term requests for meetings from clients who are simply concerned about what's going on in the markets. They want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm going to have to do another video for my clients by the end of next week, because within a couple of weeks after that, they're going to re- receive second quarter statements. So, you know, the second quarter of this year is down twice as much as what the first quarter was. And so the, the people I'm having these quick meetings with, they're getting to see the numbers but inadvertently, the panic sets in when they see it officially, officially on a statement. I can show it to them on the screen. Here's where you're at. And if the statement came out the next day with the exact same numbers, it would cause a deeper set of anxiety because it's on paper. It's real now. Um, mm. and, and so the conversation I'm having with clients today is helping them to understand that, first of all, we have a financial plan and that plan hasn't changed. Your, your lifestyle expectations haven't changed. You, your need for what the money needs to do for you hasn't changed, nor has the time frame for your plan changed. You know, your, your retirement hasn't all of a sudden changed from I'm going to live for the next 20 years to I need to spend this all in the next 12 months. Um, how, how do you deal with the irrationality of 
the situation because it's, I, I mean, it's market's going down is re, it's as real as it comes. However, sure. I have a plan that you know, takes care of my finances and my ideas for the next, for the next 20 years. Right. And this is just a small window of time in which there are some anomalies that are happening in the marketplace. Do you account for that when you put a plan together for somebody? Oh, of course. We stress test a financial plan. You know, we, uh, the software we use allows us to actually stress test it against what happens if the market crashes? What happens if inflation is higher than anticipated? What happens if returns are lower than anticipated? What happens if someone dies prematurely in a couple? How does that affect the So we stress tested against all those variables. Well, one of those variables is coming to pass right now. The market has gone down. Um, the, the thing we do from a, from a plan standpoint, when I'm building a plan anyway, mm-hmm. we anticipate more conservative returns than we expect you to earn. And so every case I've been able to show my existing clients, you know, here's your, been your return the last three years, last five years, last 10 years. And here's the number we actually count on in your plan. And it ends up being less than what they're actually earning. And the reason for that is not to deceive. The reason for that is there are going to be years when the markets go down. And, and so this makes up for that. This anticipates that. Yeah, I understand that. You know, and when when someone tells me, "Here's how much money I need to spend," Mike, our our family household costs are seven thousand dollars a month. That's what I need. Then I I build a plan that they are going to get eight thousand a month. I put in a buffer, mm-hmm. and and I'll have repeatedly people say to me, "Why are we putting in that buffer? We've you know we've given you a detailed list of of what it costs us to live. Why do we have that in there?" And I always say. Because life doesn't go in a straight line. Stuff oh comes God. up. Your car dies, even though you didn't know it was having a problem. Believe me. <laughs> and so we, if, if you tell me that you need X to live and I only ever build a plan for you to get X, then guaranteed the first thing that comes. Oh, yeah. The first thing that comes up that was unanticipated. And now you're panicking. So all of my plans have that buffer built into it. We have so, bulletproofed this plan. Would you, would you say that is a, a plan uh, perfectly executed is more of a guideline than, uh, than anything? Because there are so many contingency plans within that plan that it makes the plan itself not as, uh, as, as the, the main focus of what you're trying to do. Uh, just a general idea. I, I don't know if I'm explaining well, no, that properly. It, exactly. That's exactly what a plan is, is a guideline, you know, mm-hmm. tongue in cheek. We used to have a saying in the office. Uh, it's not a saying anymore. I promise uh, people have all changed out there. But back in the day, we used to say no good financial plan survives a meeting with the client um, because people do not live their lives in a straight arrow in a straight line. We do not say, here's what we want to do for the next 30 years and 12 years in, people are doing it exactly the same way. Are you people saying change. that people don't uh, make um, uh, impulse purchases? They, that's my point. They make impulse purchases. They change their mind. As are you human saying beings, that, that Rolex was strictly discretionary? Is that I'm what leaving, you're saying to me? I'm leaving the Rolex out of this. The Rolex is not in the financial plan. That's on you. But it's... Human beings by their nature are supposed to grow and adapt and change. And so the financial plan that we build has to be able to grow and adapt and change with you. It is exactly as you called it. It is a guide. 
And the guide says, you come to me, Mr. or Mrs. Client, and you say what it is that you want to do, or more specifically, how you've changed your mind. And I can tell you the impact of that change. That's what a financial plan is about. I love it. And you know, for for those of you folks that are listening to the show and uh, who meet the, the following criteria, number one, you made the right choices. Number two, you have a plan. Number three, you're building some wealth. Number four, hopefully you're talking to Mike in the process. And uh, you have been one of those fortunate ones that was able to amass a certain level of wealth that uh, once you go clearly, you can't take it with you. And you want to find a way to leave it to your loved ones uh, after you are gone this show is for you because on the other side of the break, Mike and I are going to break down the, the most beneficial ways for you to pass on wealth to your loved ones without hurting them financially uh, and from a taxation standpoint. And uh, I think it's important. Uh, Canada has, a, has an Asian, Asian population aggressively. And also, uh, there is a tremendous amount of generational wealth being accumulated in Canada, especially with real estate prices over the last little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, saying that, for those of you that had made all the right decisions, this is an opportunity for you to think and compare what we are saying here on the show against what you thought your plan was going to be and validate whether you are doing the right thing or not. But, uh, you know, it's, it's also important that you remember this, that Mike is always available to you. So you can reach him at moneymike.ca. That's the website. Or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762. And if you have a question during the show, because we are live, you can call us at 289-275-9600. Money Mike is with me on the show. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And before you make any car buying decisions, you owe it to yourself. Come and see me. Jacob. Take us to a break. We'll be right back. Toronto. When the boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks under his bed for me. Ken Shamrock here, and you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Hello, Toronto. What's up, guys? This is Vito Belfer, and you are listening to one of the toughest guys on air. Greg Carrasco Show, man. Congratulations on your show. I wish you all the best. Toronto, stay safe out there. God bless you, man. This is Vito Belfort, the phenom. Ready to strike. Let's go. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Still there never seems to be a single penny left for me That's too bad In my dreams I have a plan If I got me a wealthy man I wouldn't have to work at all I'd fool around and have a ball Money, money, money Must be funny 
Is it that funny up there, Mike? It is hilarious. hilarious. You know what's more hilarious is this, that I, I really don't want to leave anything for my kids. I know it's going to sound terrible. Okay, but hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> if I do leave something for my kids, it's going to be under very, very specific premises. Okay, number one. The first one is that if they are married, they need to have a prenuptial agreement. If they don't have a prenuptial agreement, I'm leaving them nothing. They're off my will. Number one. Number two, they need to have either finished university or a trade school or college or start a business. If they're bums living in somebody's basement, they're getting nothing. I'm not helping you finance a life of... um, Sloth. I'm not doing that. Um, and number three, they need to have at least seen me in the previous three years. <laughs> that's not a difficult thing to do. I was going to say, that's a pretty broad one. Yep. <laughs> pretty easy target to hit on that one. You know, I saw a, uh, a a little interview clip with Steve Harvey, and I can't remember the, the name of the other gentleman he was mm-hmm. uh, speaking with. And they talked about this very issue. And, uh, and he said, <laughs> Steve Harvey said, you know, my kids are going to be crying at my funeral and not because they're going to be sad to miss <laughs> me, but because they're going to realize how little I've left them. And the other gentleman in the conversation uh, said something very effective. He said, it doesn't matter how much you leave to them. What matters is how much you've left in them. And as long as you have raised them and, and put enough in them, then you re- you really don't need to leave anything to them at all because they're going to be able to do for themselves. You know, that's I, a I thought very, that was a good statement. Yeah. It's a good, it's deep. Yeah. It's way too deep for me to get under with my intellectual capacity. But saying that, I mean, it's, it's a struggle. It, it is a struggle because I do feel that in many instances, uh, the more we clear the paths for our children, the worse they become. Mm. I, I do believe that there is a tremendous amount of value in the struggle. And a lot of the things that are good for us are counterintuitive uh, as parents because we want to give them everything. Right. By the moment you give them everything, they struggle for nothing and they don't appreciate anything. It's, it's just an interesting thing. But, you know, saying that. You know, the, I guess what we want to talk about this morning is, 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 is simpler than this. You've, you've done well, you've, you've built some wealth, and uh, you want to leave this legacy to your loved ones. But uh, there are right ways of doing it and wrong ways of doing it. Now, right. I, guess, I, I guess you've divided this into two things. Giving them something while you're still alive and... After you are gone, you know, there are two ways of doing this. So two camps, why, yeah. yeah. Two camps. So why don't we discuss this? You know, option one, you know, gift while you are alive so you can enjoy their faces when you, you give them the gift. How yeah. do we go about that? Well, that that is something that uh, increasingly people are talking to me about because they do have a desire to say, you know, A, why am I going to wait another 25 years to give it to the kids. The kids could use some help now. And as you said, I want to enjoy it, seeing them enjoy it. I've worked hard for it. Uh, why don't I get to share in some of the joy and in, in helping them out? And so people are giving away cash now. Um, it's, it's quite common. I'm hearing from clients. So we just, we cut them a big check every Christmas 
and the, the, it helps them out with whatever it is that they need to uh, Do to they pay have for. to pay cash? I mean, taxes on that cash gift. Well, they do. They do. The kids don't have to pay any any tax, but the, the parents have had to pay tax to make the money accessible to give to the next generation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are some people who find themselves in a situation where they, they generate so much more income than they ever need to spend for themselves. You know, it's it's eventually after tax money anyway. It's just building up in the bank account. And there are some people who are looking at the wealth they've accumulated and saying, I want to gift this money. Where can we get it from? Where do we pull it from? Mm-hmm. And there is a conversation that should happen and hopefully is happening more talking about how can we find ways to help the kids without causing economic harm? Uh, exactly as you said, we can we can actually create an economic disincentive to create for themselves if we make life too easy for them. And then what happens when, as the old saying goes, when that money train dries up? Have I created a situation where my kid's lifestyle is based on getting that money? And then when it doesn't, now they're suffering. So, uh, and, and, you know, we've spoken about this before, uh, the, the book written by Dr. Thomas Stanley, The Millionaire Mind, and The Millionaire Next Door was uh, uh, there was actually three in the series, um, but he talked very much about causing economic harm by giving money uh, and helping out kids too too quickly, too soon, too early. So a lot of people are trying to find ways that they can do it. So, you know, we talk about some of the ways that you can give that doesn't necessarily cause that harm. You can give in ways that eases their financial burden, but doesn't necessarily change your lifestyle. For example, a lot of grandparents want to help out saving for the grandkids' education. Okay. Um, saving for your, your kids' education is not something that increases your lifestyle. It builds up money in a, in a separate pot. It gets spent when the kids go off to school. Your lifestyle day-to-day is not improved by the grandparents helping out with that, except that it frees up your cash commitment to, to save for it. So you are still living off of money that you yourself are generating. So it, it is a way to help with it. Um, you know, one of the worst ways that we, that we see is when parents keep, sort of imbuing on their children lavish lifestyle things like mm-hmm. travel and you get your kids accustomed to that uh, that luxurious way of living but they can't maintain it themselves you can't afford it yeah no no so that's you know one of the areas where it can cause harm the gifting of money on a regular basis again that can cause harm because invariably children design their finances anticipating that next gift and so if that ever stops coming now they, they're scrambling, they don't know how to fill the void. Um, so there's, there's other ways that we've discovered that you can help out the next generation. Again, that doesn't cause economic harm. One of those ways is insurance. Explain. You know, well, there's a lot of people out there who are not properly insured. They're underinsured when it comes to life insurance. There's so few people that have critical illness insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and eventually what everybody should get to at some point is looking at permanent insurance for estate planning purposes. So these are ways that a lot of my clients are starting to, to think ahead for the kids. And they say, hey, you know what? We've got the wealth built up. The kids don't. 
I want to help put some of this insurance in place for them and I'll pay for it. This helps them out financially, but has zero impact on their day-to-day lifestyle. Mm. You know, so we've looked at things like cascading permanent insurance. This is one of the ways that you can, you can start to design your assets to go to the next generation. And so we'll talk about that a little further in the show. But if I take out critical illness for my kids and I pay for the premiums, their lifestyle doesn't change at all. If I take out permanent insurance on my grandkids Mm -hmm. to make sure that they have base level coverage in place when they're young and they're beautifully healthy and never a care in the world, I can get it cheap. I can keep it in place for the rest of their life cheap. And if I'm paying for it, parents it never feel the burden. Yet. Right. Yeah, so I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that give somebody a false sense of a safety net at the end? How do you mean? Uh, if you, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kids that are waiting like vultures for their elderly parents to die in order for them to cash in. And that seems to be their financial plan for retirement right uh, in what was supposed to be a safety net becomes more like a hammock you know <laughs> <Yeah>. just... <laughs> well it's it, it it does help improve them in the future but the point is it doesn't change them today it doesn't put groceries on the table it doesn't put a roof over the home well, the, kids still have, the kids still have to go out and earn that stuff they still have to struggle right now to just make sure that they they, uh, they produce support themselves yeah for right of and you are freeing freeing up a little bit of the burden of the cash flow commitment they would have to put to that insurance but it is not something that changes their day-to-day lifestyle so it's it's a way to to help them out without hindering them so this is something a lot of clients are looking at and uh, you can you can all you do all that permanent insurance yourself, correct? I didn't do all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know that's one way that you can that you can help your kids. Now, yeah. what about on the other side of things? Well, um, yeah, the more the more common type, right? <laughs> gifting, <laughs> gifting while alive, uh, people are are doing with a mixed level of success, but gifting when we pass away is still the predominant way that we pass our assets to the next generation. So can you walk me through that? How can you leave money for your children uh, after you are gone and to make sure that they get the absolute most or the, you know, the lion's share of of whatever is left without the government tentacles uh, coming in and taking as much as they can as they usually do. Well, so for the most part, when you're gifting after you're gone, you're typically going to do that through your will. Um, before we even jump into doing it through the will, what happens if you don't have a will? That's a problem. You, That's you, a big problem. Do, you would be surprised the number of conversations that I've had in the last two weeks alone with people who still do not have wills. And I'd love mm-hmm. to say they're all 23 years old uh, and, and bulletproof, but they're not. They're people in their the 40s and 50s, <laughs> but they've just avoided it. So, you know, what happens if you don't have a will? You know, and, and this is such a costly process. If you pass away and you didn't have a will and you have assets that require a will to be distributed, you have to make an application to the court to be determined to be the, the estate trustee without a will. And that is expensive. You know, this is a very interesting topic of conversation for me. What happens if you dies and you don't yeah. have a will to your money? I want you to answer this after we come back for a break. Folks, sure. you're listening to my personal financial advisor. 
He's the only one that's allowed to dodge my money. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We're going to take a short break. And Mike is going to tell us on the other side, what would happen to your money if you happen to pass on and you don't have a will? That's a big problem, folks. And many of you should be paying a little bit more attention to what we are about to discuss. Jacob, take us to a break. We'll be right back. Darcy Tucker here, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. My dad told me Saturday mornings used to be for watching cartoons, and now we have to listen to this guy? My name's Lily, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show! the way you do it You play the guitar on the MTV That ain't working That's the way you do it Money for nothing And you just free Now that ain't working That's the way you That's do the way it. you do it Let me tell you Damn guys ain't dumb Jacob Dunstrow's out We've done this a few times <laughs> I just like that song It's funny if you're just tuning in, folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco showing with me in the studio of Money Mike, my financial advisor, the guy that changed my life. Change yours. He's easy to find, just like I am. Send him an email at moneymike.ca or call him after the show, 905-320-6762. This morning, we're talking about making the right decisions and building a bit of money, and then you want to leave it to your kids, if you like your kids. And you want to give it to them either when you're alive and if you just tune in, you miss that part. Now we're going to teach you how to do it after you're gone. The first hurdle you're going to have to jump over is what if you don't have a will? And that's a bit of a problem. Am I wrong, Mike? It's a huge problem. Here's, here's what happens when you die, as we say, intestate without a will. Uh, and, and there's not a lot of people are aware of, of how exactly it works, but if you pass away without a will and you have an estate that has to be distributed with a will, mm-hmm. the first thing that happens is your surviving spouse gets a preferential share. And that number was just increased recently. They get the first $350,000 of the estate. <sighs> After that, whether you like her or not, or like him or not. Whether you like them or not, your spouse gets the first 350000 Now, if you have children, then of the remainder of the estate, one-third of that remainder goes to your spouse. The other two-thirds are split amongst the children. If you only have one child, it's 50-50 of the remainder of the estate between the spouse and the child. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even going to go down the rabbit hole of what happens when those children are minors. Um, but 
$350,000 in this real estate market alone is not a lot of money. Yeah. But if you've got a home, if you've got investment assets in your name individually that don't, that can't be named uh, beneficiaries attached, if you own a business, your spouse is now joint partners with your children who again, may be minors with that business because you didn't take the time to, to do a will. set up a will now define spouse is it do you need to be married to them or you just need to be living with them or what what is what is a spouse and no 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 i i am assuming that you are married okay i, I am because some of those some of those rules have changed at the beginning of this year um that it, it used to be that a separated spouse um still had entitlements if you were just separated, hadn't bothered bothered to change a will, but no, I mean, without a will, they, there's no rights for an, for an ex. Um, but even with a will, uh, separated spices are, can now be cut out of any entitlements and appointments in a will. So, so you're you can be okay there, but just it, it creates so much of a hassle between your spouse and your kids, uh, and and if your kids are minors, now they own part of your assets. They're now controlled by a government appointed trustee. It becomes a real mess, an absolute mess. But what happens if you're not married? What happens if you don't have kids where then, you know, your assets are then go on to your parents if they're still surviving. If your parents aren't around, then they're split amongst your siblings. Do you know how many people I know out there that do not like their siblings? Um, They do not get along. It's yeah, so could, common. Could have been, yeah, it's yeah. so common. And I if you don't that. have a will, they're inheriting from you. So there's just so many hassles if you don't have a will. So please, if you're listening right now, get get working on it. I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get my my lawyer to come in the show uh, over the next couple of shows to discuss the will situation. Okay. Uh, it is it is important. I mean, just as important as it is to have a financial advisor and, and a trusted accountant, it is important to have a lawyer in your Rolodex, somebody that you can trust and talk about these things. And uh, uh, would you agree with that statement there, Mike? It, it, don't do it yourself. Please don't do it yourself. Please use a lawyer. Oh, yeah, don't. It's such a moneymaker for lawyers when, when people don't have wills properly executed. The litigation can earn them very, very nice fees. Listen, so you were talking to done. the genius here that did a do-it-yourself separation agreement. <laughs> I start twitching when I think about do-it-yourself. <laughs> I did. Don't do it. Don't do oh, it. Don't. All right. So let's, let's talk to the people who are going to do it properly. They're going to do, do it, it through a will. Now, where do the assets come from? Okay. That are going to be distributed through the will. Well, they come from the estate that you never spent. If you think about it over your lifetime, you go through your 20s and in some cases all the way up to your 70s, you're building wealth, you're accumulating wealth. But eventually you reach a point where you start spending what you've earned, the deaccumulation side. And so the ass, where the assets come from is from all of that money that you accumulated that you never got to spend before you passed away. Mm-hmm. It's the investments, it's the home, it's perhaps a business that you continue to operate until you passed away. So when I've built a financial plan for someone, we can look forward and anticipate the amount of assets that you've built up that you're never going to be able to spend. We can look at the financial plan and we can chart it out. Here's what you are estimated that you're still going to have from an estate standpoint when you're 90 years old. This is the part you're never going to spend. 
And there are more efficient ways to distribute those assets than just leaving them through the will. If you leave it through the will and you just continue on the same path you've had in place for the last 30 or 40 years, you are going to pay a ton of tax. And again, our, our financial plan can anticipate what those estate taxes are, but you will lose a lot of that estate to tax. And as patriotic as I hope everybody is out there, there are no awards being granted to your estate based on how much estate tax you, you left to the government. Okay, it, can you, can you um, explain or repeat that on, in layman's terms? Sure. No one is winning an award for paying more tax. The government, the government's not giving you an extra thanks. They're not, they're not naming a holiday after you. So we've got to find ways to reduce the amount of tax. So what we do routinely, and, and, and so let me, we'll talk about distributing through will, but part of our job is to anticipate what is that estate that you're never going to be able to spend and how do we find a more tax efficient way to leave it to the next generation. Now, leaving assets through a will It is, it's not as cut and dry as so many people I talk to and just say, oh, I'm just going to leave, you know, everything to my spouse. And if we're both gone, everything goes to the kids and, and it's that simple. But there are, there are ways that you have to use a will to distribute assets to keep in mind the, the fair treatment of everybody involved. And, uh -huh. and so we've talked about this example before, and this is why estate planning is so critical. Let me say this was your parent's situation, right? You and your two siblings, here's the, the problem being granted to you. To, Let us to dream together, Mike. <laughs> your parents are leaving $3 million worth of assets. Eight okay. pesos? Million pesos or dollars? Because dollars. Dollars. Okay. Yes. Now, Damn. those $3 million in, in, in estate value is three separate assets. Okay. It's a million, it's a million dollar house that was their, their family home. It's a million dollars in cash. And wow. it's a million dollars in RSPs. Keep talking to me, baby. I, I'm liking this example. Which one do you want? Uh, let me see. Million dollar house, million dollar cash, million dollar RSP. Which do you choose? I would probably pick the cash. Probably. I, I think it, who wouldn't, right? That sounds pretty sweet. Million dollars of cash. There's no tax implications to me. I just get a million dollars in cash. Sounds good. Oops. The problem is the million dollars of RSPs, we owe almost half of that to tax, $500,000. Where do you think the tax comes from? Yeah. Comes from comes from the cash. Because the million dollar RSP, your parents named your sibling as the beneficiary and it went to them direct with no withholding tax applied. They got a million bucks. Mm -hmm. The sibling that decided they wanted the house Well, guess what? It was the principal residence. There's no tax implications. Mm -hmm. The house becomes theirs. But there's going to be some land transfer tax. There's going to be some probate fees on that house. Who do you think pays the probate fees? The, the guy cash. with the cash. The guy with the cash. So now your two siblings each got a million dollar asset and you've got probably best case scenario, $450,000, that. If that. So... You've got to design your assets to go properly. It takes mm. some time to do this. So, you know, we were talking before about there's a portion of your estate you're never going to spend. So we can just leave it to the next generation. We can pay the tax as we just sort of loosely described in our three asset example. 
and and no one's going to complain that you know two and a half million of the three million was left behind everyone's going to be fine with that but if we know in advance that there's a portion of the estate we're never going to spend this is where life insurance can come into play so that's our next strategy that's our next strategy is creating a life insurance an estate bond that's going to distribute assets to the next generation. It's about taking the assets we have today and shifting them inside a permanent policy as an asset that don't do it when you're on death's door. But if you do it early enough, because heaven forbid, you have a financial plan that anticipates you're going to have assets you'll never spend. You can start earlier shifting those assets inside a tax sheltered insurance structure so that the, the, the buildup, the accumulation that's going to happen over the next 20, 30, 40 years happens in a tax sheltered environment so that when you do leave it behind, we pay no tax on what we give them. And this is fascinating stuff, man, because I don't think that a lot of people put enough thought into what's going to happen after they're gone. Yeah. And, uh, and at the same time, all, all, this, all this money, all this wealth that you worked so hard to build over, over your lifetime, then becomes at the mercy of the systems in place. And the, and yeah. the system is, is, is designed to take as much money possible from, what, from whatever is left. Would you agree with that statement? Of course it is. Of course it is. The government's job is to, to spend our money to, uh, well, to win re-elections and <laughs> supposedly to <laughs> help vote. to help the citizens. But um, yeah, if there's money to be had, they're, they're there to collect. So, you know, that is part of the job we do is, is look to say, is there a, a, an estate bond, an insurance asset that we can add to the picture that's going to lower the estate tax and yet still give you access to your money? still create an asset that if it's ever needed, it's there. But if it's not needed, we've, we've more efficiently set it up to go to the next generation. And I, I mentioned briefly cascading insurance is one of those easy strategies that people can implement. And when we were talking about paying for insurance on behalf of your kids, here's a fairly simple one that the audience out there can consider. Hit me with it. This is parents taking out permanent insurance on their children and making the beneficiary of the policy the grandchildren. What that results in is the parents taking their assets, putting it inside this insurance policy that if they, when they pass away, their kids will become the owner of the policy. Uh-huh. It will cover part of the estate planning insurance that their kids will eventually need that when they pass away, the benefit goes to the grandkids. So they're easing the day-to-day burden on their own kids and creating an estate for the grandkids. Generational wealth. Generational wealth. This is a, this is a fascinating conversation, Mike, because if, if you take people that have made it, people that have done it, families that have become financially solvent, a solvent throughout yeah. generations, there are some very basic guidelines that they follow. And uh, the more you read about this, the more you understand the, the common elements that go across all those people that make the right decisions. And uh, this having a will. Having a financial advisor, having a lawyer, having uh, insurances and so on and so on. Those are some of the tools that are available to traditionally to the wealthy, to people that uh, have the information available to them and they use it. Um, 
yesterday I was having this conversation with a friend of mine that there are so many good ideas that get lost and, and die in the, oh, I'm going to do it stage. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Are, Best intentions, very, right? Yeah. And again, the road to hell is paved with good <laughs> intentions, that they say. But there, is, there isn't a lot of people that are taking action and going out there and doing these things that we discuss here on the show on a weekly basis. If there was one takeaway that you can give people today before we sign off at the, at the turn of the hour, what do you think that would be, Mike, in relation to uh, what we've been discussing today? Well, the underlying theme in every conversation we have is, guys, what's your plan? Build a plan. When you've got a plan, you can answer these questions. How am I going to leave money to my kids? How are these markets affecting my retirement? What, do, what should I do in response to what's going on? A, a financial plan looks forward and says, here's the 20-year the impact of the decisions we're making today. And if you don't have one, I don't know how you have that conversation. I don't know how you say... I'm going to be leaving money behind for my kids. How much is that going to be? Is there a part of my estate that I'm, I'm never going to spend? Is there more tax efficient ways to do that? I, I don't even know how you begin to answer that question if it doesn't start with the foundation of having a financial plan. Otherwise, you're winging it. You are winging it. And if you're winging it, you are not prepared for whatever the outcomes are. Uh, folks, if you are one of those people and this speaks to you and you don't have a plan and you have amassed a little bit of wealth, whether it's in your house or RSPs or just cash out there and you don't know what to do with it and you don't know who to leave it with or how to do to do this and, and have a plan to, exec, to execute, reach out to Money Mike. You can find him on moneymike.ca or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762. And please don't forget that if you do have parents that need this sort of help, download the podcast. Just go to iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts, subscribe to the podcast and get them to listen to this. This is important information that you have available today on your phone and your computer that could literally change the outcome of the end of your life. And uh, for that, I have to thank Money Mike. Money Mike, thank you so much for being on the show, brother. It's always good to see you. And I'm looking forward to, uh, for once, for you to use my expertise and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll solve some problems for you this afternoon. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Mike. Uh, folks, we're going to go to a short break here. And the hour of the grievances on the other side of the hour is coming. I'm going to leave it open for you folks to discuss the Supreme Court decision. Oh, boy, that's going to be a minefield. We're going to do it. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Let's take us to a break, Jacob. We'll be right back. No, you're not alone. Because I'm going to make this place your What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture. And if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. It is time for Greg Carrasco! Kick it! Whoa, it's The Greg Carrasco Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car 
talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on the boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. This show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg Carrasco. Folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. Not so much about cars in the last hour. This is the hour of the grievances. You want to talk about Roe versus Wade? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I it's feel about to go down. <laughs> it's about to go down. <laughs> 289-275-9600 is the phone number. 289-275-9600. We are going to, if you do have the courage to call the show and discuss this, um, uh, this situation, uh, all I expect of you is some respect. And, um, and the main reason is it's, it's, it's a sensitive topic. I mean, uh, a lot of people are being affected by it, but uh, uh, we are also going to uh, talk about cars. If you have a question related to a car, you're looking at buying a car, selling a car, leasing a car, trading in a car, uh, and you need to get some guidance from somebody that doesn't care about your feelings, uh, you, you better call me. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm your person. I am your person. Uh, if somebody's giving you a tough time, call me. If somebody cuts you off on the highway and you're upset about it and you're carrying this with you and it's ruining your day, call me. If your girlfriend left you and you are crushed, call me. <laughs> Therapist Greg Carrasco. <laughs> no, it, no, there is a show. This is not therapy. <laughs> Isn't there a show on the, on the station that is called? That, that's true. We, we don't want to confuse people. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is not therapy. Trust me on that one. But uh, you know, the uh, in the hour of the grievances, we um, we get to explore different things, and uh, I think it's important that we keep the conversation honest. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to everything except the car industry, so don't listen to my advice. But I'm open to have a conversation. And I think that Jacob appreciates that. I, I do think that he appreciates it. Uh, when I gave him the advice the other day that uh, he, he should not marry the one that he loves, that he should marry the one that loves him, was enough to make him lose his mind. Are you there, uh, Jacob? I don't think he's. Uh, I, I don't think he's paying attention to us on the other side. I can see him on the Zoom screen, but he's not. But uh, you know that that advice seemed to have you know struck a chord with him. Yeah, apparently so. You know, but I think uh, no. I, I do see your point, though. I do see see your point. I think the ideal thing is if it's mutual. You know, as st strong on both sides, but at the same time, 
if 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 you know for a fact that that person loves you, then hey, it's uh, that's ideal. That's ideal, obviously, because it if you're the one in love and that person isn't really loving you that much back, then that can be pretty hurtful. <laughs> that could be a bit of a problem. Bit of a problem. You're probably not going to be in a relationship in the first place, so unless you know, unless they have ulter- ulterior motives. <laughs> now you know the. Um, um, can we agree on something that uh, Justin Trudeau is the absolute worst prime minister that we've ever had? <laughs> uh, well, you know, <laughs> the thing is, one thing I have, I have to admit is, uh, even though I know some of the older prime ministers, I don't think I know enough about them, the ones that were there in the 1800s and early 1900s to make that opinion. Okay, so let me ask you something. Do you think that Donald Trump was the worst uh, U.S. president that we, the U.S. has ever had? I don't know about ever had, but definitely in modern history, I think. Okay, so. you see how your tune changes all of a sudden? But I'll, okay, I'll you, say this. I would have said, I don't know enough. <laughs> I don't know the president of the United all States right, of the 1800s. Yeah. You see, you are intellectually inconsistent. <laughs> there are some inconsistencies coming from you that right, uh, yeah. I, I do not accept. You, you know what, Greg? You called me out on my bias, and, and I respect that. Of course, because the, you have, and I get, you know, myself included, we all have biases here that we, we like to exercise when it's convenient to us. And I, this this Roe versus Wade thing is a it's a it's a huge huge news that came out of the U.S. yesterday, and uh, I, I I sat back yesterday reflecting on this, and regardless of the side of the aisle in which you find yourself, I think that we can all agree on something. I I like to think that we can agree on something. That whatever happens inside a human's body is their choice. <laughs> that we have no right to determine what a woman or any person for that matter do with their body. We don't, we don't have that right. But all of a sudden this has become big news. Meanwhile, for the last two years, people have been removed. They've removed this right that people have to determine what happens with their bodies. Am I wrong with this? Am I seeing it in, in you know, incorrectly? I don't think you're wrong at all. You know, and I think uh, consistency uh, sh- should be important. Uh, and, you know, you, you, you said it yourself. You, we've seen it on both sides. People, you know, who uh, only support uh, that a choice with, with someone's personal body on one issue, whether it's abortion or whether it's something else. And honestly, if you believe in body autonomy and someone being able to make those decisions, it should be across the board. It shouldn't be only when it, it works for you and only when, when it, you, you agree with it. It should be on, on all issues. So the question goes out there. Are you OK with uh, the reversal of Roe versus Wade by the Supreme Court in the United States? Because th- that will have impact here in Canada. And, you know, I, I, I feel embarrassed when I listen to Justin Trudeau speak on, on national uh, television or, or media uh, with the fake outrage uh, of what's happening in the United States. Meanwhile, he is he in my lifetime in Canada, which is 30 years. I have never seen anyone uh, remove any more human rights than this man has actually done. I mean, we, we literally live on an authoritarian communist dictatorship, if you know, for lack of a better term. And uh, the, the fake outrage is what gets to me. If I I would much rather him just coming out and saying it, this is what I'm doing, as opposed to just 
playing everyone for a fool. And uh, somehow we, we, we are believing this. We, we listen. Oh, no, 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 no. He means well. No, he doesn't. I think what the biggest problem with uh, Justin, well, one of the biggest problems with Justin Trudeau is he's uh, disingenuous. He's, he's not a, a genuine person. You know, when you, like you said, the fake outrage, I, I agree with that because I think more and more people are seen through him or seen through the act, seen through the, uh, seen through the, his, the, the, the drama that he tries to portray, you know, and some people say, Oh, it's, it's his drama teacher past that that comes through in the end. That might be true. Cause, cause I'm telling you, obviously there are, there are some genuine politicians and there are some that are not, I think he's in the category of those who are not genuine. And in 2015, he had, I think he had a lot of people fooled. He had a lot of people, people said, Oh, you know, he's, he's, he's new. He's fresh. He cares about people. He cares about the middle class. But as years have gone on, I think more and more people are, are seeing his true colors. You know, we, uh, we have a couple of phone calls here. Uh, we have Jonathan, the ones to talk to us. Is, is he still on the line? He's still there. Yeah. Still Jonathan, I don't know. Uh, the, the system didn't pick up what you want to talk about, but uh, you're talking to uh, Carrasco himself. How can I make your life better this morning? Hey, Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Greg. How's it going, brother? Well, listen, just trying to start conversation and discuss things that are important. Uh, what uh, What's on your mind this morning? Listen, man, I wanted to slide in before all those animals start calling you about Roe v. Wade and just give you a big, big shout out. I missed the grading ceremony at Evo, but I want to big you, big you up on your purple belt, bro. Uh, just big <laughs> congratulations on that. I was so inspired to see that uh for some of the momos out there when you train with greg like it's amazing the first time i sparred with you i remember i didn't even know you were an internet sensation man but it was a humbling experience every time i roll with you it's like a lesson so it was a huge inspiration to get your purple belt i just want to give you a big shout out and say congratulations on that brother dude you know honestly when uh it was a surprise i didn't even know that it was happening and uh I um, jujitsu is by far the absolute most difficult thing that I do. And uh, uh, although a, a belt, many people say it doesn't mean anything because, you know, you can put a black belt on somebody just started jujitsu and it doesn't make him anything other than just somebody that just started jujitsu. Uh, for us that have been doing it for a few years, we understand the weight of the responsibility that comes when you get promoted to a higher level. And although, you know, uh, Purple Belt is still one of the junior belts. When I first started my uh, my jiu-jitsu journey, I used to look at those guys with Purple Belt thinking, man, those guys are badasses, man. So I, I wish that one day I could do those things. And, uh, uh, you know, you and I have rolled a few times, no? Yep, yep. And, uh, yep, what and every you? single time, man, it's a, it's a lesson. Like, I come in there and, and you, you're a humbling experience, man. Like, you... You put me to the deep waters. You make me think about it. And every time I get tapped by you, I'm like, man, I got to go back to the drawing board. So it's, it's been a phenomenal experience so far. You know, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to send a shout out. I mean, I thank you so, so, so much. And I'm lucky to have people around me like yourself that uh, are in this. We are in this journey together. And uh, I couldn't have done it with all the awesome people that I have met along the way. And, you know, I'll tell you this. Some of my best friends today are coming from jujitsu. And these are some of the most dangerous humans that I know. But the, the juxtaposition, the irony behind it is that they are also some of the nicest humans that I have ever met. And uh, I, um, you know, just stick with it. Keep at it. And uh, please let me give you a hug next time I see you. For sure, brother. I hope to drop by the Octa and I'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks, man. We'll talk Thanks. soon.
Wow, that was very nice, man. You see, that, that feels good. I, uh, you know, I'm getting a little emotional back here. That was nice. <laughs> you know, when uh, rolling is our version of sparring, and uh, every time you go into a row with someone, you know, you go with the purpose of learning something, but uh, inevitably, you know, you, you try to conquer your own demons every time you're on the mat. And uh, it's fascinating. No, for sure. I think uh, from what I've heard, you know, jujitsu seems very, very interesting. It's fascinating. And, uh, you know, I know I've been saying I, I've been considering uh, trying it for a while, but I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm I'm starting to get more and more uh, in favor of the idea. Well, listen, uh, the uh, the basement dweller just, uh, you know, challenged to come to my gym. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You know what? I would pay to see that. But that's between you and the basement dweller. No, no, no. I, I would, I would film it for sure and put it on the web. Uh, Carrasco versus the mouth breathing, knuckle druggling, basement dwelling troglodyte. And you're, you're fighting out, you're fighting out of Oakville. He's fighting out of his mother's basement. <laughs> no, 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 he would have to get out of the basement. But dude, you know, if you're gonna come and see me, you need to cut your nails, man, because I'm sure that you're one of those dudes that sits in front of the computer with really long guy nails. It's gross. Stop it. <laughs> he probably needs, needs to get the uh, Cheetos crumbs off his shirt, too. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> we have another caller here that wants to talk about the best electric cars on the market. Uh, that is kind of a, an oxymoron. But uh, who, do, who do we have on the line there? I don't, I don't know his name. Uh, unknown best electric car on the market. Tom Are you Bill there? Brampton. It's Tom from Brampton. Hey, how, Tom? Yeah, how are you? I'm well, man. Talk to me. Thank you for calling the Carrasco Show. Uh, how can I make your life better this morning? Well, the wife's looking for an electrical car. Okay. And I don't know which way to direct her. I'm in the business, but I just don't know which way to direct her to what, <laughs> so what's I a good car. I guess he just begs the question, um, why is she looking for an electric car? You got money? No, she has money. Oh, it's for that for that only reason that she has money. No, no, she just wants. She has a Kia Rondo now, and she loves it. Okay. But it's also eleven years old, and it's almost you know time for it to move on. Yeah, fair enough. And she was thinking of electrical because she doesn't go far, you know, like to the Georgetown and back to you know you know ten kilometers a day, twelve maybe. So she doesn't need to spend the insane amount of money on an electric vehicle because it's clearly not going to save her any gas. She doesn't go anywhere. So why is yeah. she looking at an electric vehicle? What is the purpose behind driving an I electric guess environmentally, car? I think she's probably thinking a little environmentally too. Okay, so from an environmental of- standpoint, uh, an electric vehicle is, is actually more damaging to, in the long term for the environment than a regular internal combustion engine. Did you know that? Well, I caught, I read something about that, but I I didn't quite understand what they were trying to tell me why it was more dangerous well, for I the can, environment. I can, I can tell you. I mean, this is very simple. The way that they measure emissions is is a fallacy. It's just it's people playing with people's minds. It's not a thing. You see, if you take if you take an electric vehicle and you put it inside a box and you turn the engine on, which I don't know, you can with an electric vehicle. Yeah, you are right. There are no emissions. But that is assuming that there was no production 
to bring the vehicle inside that box. So until that point, it's like the car I just yeah. appear out of thin air. Oh, and that yeah, is they, not- they. Go ahead. Yeah, they, they. I I understand that part. Yes, I get that part. Where to get the car to where it is, there is always you know pollution to get it to to the dealership. Well, you know, think about it. I mean, we are literally racking Africa looking for uh, rare metals for them to uh, to build these batteries that are you know non recyclable. You, they're not biodegradable. Those things will live on forever and the fact that you are taking so many more resources to produce one of these things is is creating a greater environmental footprint that is going to uh, affect the planet now so far we don't have clean electricity we most of the electricity is coming out of coal plants or gas fired so this is the, this is precisely the point. So now the most the, the most environmentally responsible thing that you can do is the following. The vehicle that you have is a Kia Ronda, which is a phenomenal car. It's 11 years old, but she doesn't drive a lot. Keep it. You see, we we destroy the environment every time we buy something new. Because the moment that you buy something new, you start up the production cycle that it always traces back to somewhere on earth, somewhere on the planet, something on the ground. So if you put less of that on the road, if you put less new things, is the easiest way to contribute to a healthier planet. So if she doesn't drive a lot and she wants to be environmentally conscious about it, why doesn't she just keep the car that she already has? Unless... The environment is not the primary driving force for her to drive a new car. And then we can have that conversation. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I probably think she wants a new car, too. But that's okay, so, so now we can have the discussion. When it comes right down to it, a lot of people are, are look, and I'm not saying that that's the point of your wife, but a, a lot of people are just virtue signaling out there saying, you know, I care about the environment. Meanwhile, the, the only thing they're doing is just flexing to the neighbors that they have the money to afford a Tesla. Because the truth is that they make no sense at this point. Do I believe that electric vehicles will be the future of the car industry? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it certainly seems to be headed that way. Uh, not, not according to the immediate numbers. And uh, like one of my very good friends that runs a car manufacturer here in Canada told me that car manufacturers don't want to do this. Governments are forcing this as a political issue to claim environmental superior, superiority. But there is that's where it ends. So the, the governments are not investing in the infrastructure that the general population is going to need to be able to support the grid in order for us to have electric vehicles as the main source of energy and transportation for the human race. It doesn't work. If you had a button right now that could turn every single vehicle on the road as an electric vehicle right now, guess what? The planet would shut down. So it's not a thing. And we keep talking about this and it doesn't make a lot of sense, Tom. Now, if you're asking me what kind of new cars should she get, what is the budget? Well, she just got an inheritance. So how um, much? I would say pretty good. Yeah, okay. pretty good budget. Have you um if it's a sizable in if it's a sizable inheritance, you should call Money Mike so you can actually do something productive with your money as opposed to spending it in cars, which happens to be the biggest waste of money that anybody could have. 
You're already making mistakes with money that you didn't earn, that you was gifted to you. Come on, Tom. <laughs> Did you even listen well, to my show? It's nice to have a few bucks in the bank, too. It's of just course. one thing you never had until now, kind of, that you had. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't disagree with you. It's nice to have some money in the bank, but not if you're not going to keep it there for long. You see what yeah. I'm saying? So, you know, uh, that's the number you one thing that people do when they have money in the bank. What's that? We have no mortgage and yeah. Well, you still sound young enough. You know, you need to live with the prospect. No, I'm, you I'm retired. I'm How old are you? going to be retired from my alignment shop this in a month. So how old are you? 65. You're a baby, man. Come on. You're only 15 oh. summers older than I am. You, you still need to live with the, under the, the presumption that you're going to be alive for another 35 years. That's a long time. No, not, you. no, no, not with the family genes. Sorry. Yeah. That one's out the window. <laughs> Maybe 75. Well, you'll be, oh, wow. You're giving yourself another 10 years. Well, the family genes dictate that, you know, it, you know, it does happen quite uh, regularly. But, you know, listen, if you are, if she if she has a sizable budget, there are better ways to spend her money than just getting herself an electric vehicle for the sake of getting an electric car. Uh, and uh, I would strongly suggest that you look at another Kia. Kia makes a phenomenal product in that if that car has lasted you 11, 12 years, give them another chance and see how they treat you. But uh, the Cronus. The Cronus. I just met a guy that had a Cronus. Brand new one, electrical. And he said it's wonderful. Well, what is he going to tell you? I made a mistake. <laughs> People are no, not no, really no, forthcoming when they make mistakes. And he says, it's, you know, it's great. Well, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know much about electrical. Yeah, I, I yeah. do happen to know quite a bit about them. But uh, if I, I had a big electric vehicle right now, uh, I would probably pick a Hyundai Ioniq. That's what I would pick. I, I drove one, uh, but I wouldn't even buy a fully electric. I would buy a hybrid. I think the hybrid is a solution to our problems. Yeah. But anyways, Tom, I'm not going to take any more of your time. Good luck with your uh, electric vehicle shopping that I disagree with. And, uh, and keep on and listening to my advice. The, the abortion thing, I agree that it's up to the lady. It should always be up to the lady to do what she would like to do with her body. So. That's, Thank you, Tommy. That's the I, end of that. Look at that. Some progressive Tom coming from Brampton. <laughs> I love him. Thank you for calling. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, one of the last free speech radio stations here in Ontario. We're not corporately owned. This is an independent radio station that needs to be protected at all costs. It's one of the last places that we can act- actually have real conversation about real topics that affects us all. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. And until the end of the month, we are making offers. If you have a vehicle that you don't need and you want to get a number, we'll give you a number. And if you like it, we'll give you a $1,000 gas card on top of that. And, you know, I need to explain something very quickly before we go into the break, uh, Jacob, that uh, people, are, people are so absurd sometimes on social media, man. Social media has people custom to say whatever they want without being having the fear of getting punched in the face. So they can go in there and say whatever they want. It's not nice. But people immediately, when they hear me say this, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a trick. You know, you're going to build a $1,000 gas card onto the price of the vehicle. Like, okay, 
But what I'm saying to you is that if you don't like what I'm giving you in the first place, if you don't like what I'm giving you in the first place, you don't have to sell us the vehicle. So the, the price that I'm going to pay you for the vehicle when you trade it in before I give you the gas card is going to be the highest that you're going to find anywhere else. Who cares where the thousand dollars is coming from? You're still getting the best price on your trade. All I ask for people before they say this sort of thing on social media is just to think for a bit. But anyways, Jacob, take us to a short break. We'll be right back. under people's skin but not as much as this guy you're listening to the greg carrasco show hey hey what's up toronto when the boogeyman goes to sleep he checks under his bed for me ken shamrock here and you're listening to the greg carrasco show hello toronto in folks you're listening to the Greg Carrasco show Slacker Nation congregates here every single Saturday morning to talk about life for a while and that's okay the beauty about all of this is that we can have completely opposing viewpoints and still be friends this third hour of the show is the hour of the grievances here is where we stir the pot we, we try to instigate conversation if there was something on your mind Call me, 289-275-9600. Do you want to comment on the Road versus Wade decision, the Supreme Court in the United States? Call me. I want to know what's on your mind. I think it's terrible what took place in the United States. Absolutely terrible. However, I'm not surprised. Because government infringing on actual individual autonomy, individual human rights, individual actions that people take within their own body is something that we've experienced for the last two and a half years. Why are you even surprised? You cannot be pro-choice and be pro-vaccine mandates. You can't be. Those two, those two elements are contradicting one another. They're a contradiction. But then again, what do I know? All I ask for is intellectual consistency. That's all I'm asking for. Whatever you choose to do is between you and you and no one else. 
And anyone that disagrees with that needs to take a closer look at what you think your, your personal autonomy is. Think about this for a second. If you are not allowed to determine what happens inside your body, what can you do? That's like the, that's the ultimate frontier in my world anyways. If there was ever a reason why we should protest, this is probably it. <laughs> this is probably it. Unfortunately, the inconsistencies of the liberal government is just, they make me want to throw up in my mouth. A concerning thing, too, is, you know, with the recent Supreme Court ruling is that so, some some people, you know, think that this uh, could, could be a Pandora's box, open a Pandora's box where other you know, rights could be taken away. Uh, like what? The right to choose whether you want to inject unnecessary medical treatment? That well, already happened, man. This, that ship is already sailed. Oh, I, I know. I, I know that. And hey, I, I've always said that, you know, even though I'm, I'm in favor of the vaccine, I've always said people should have the right to decide what they do. Um, but yeah, they, they, uh, on, other, on issues other than, you know, uh, you know body autonomy, they, people, experts have said, legal experts have said that there's a chance that, you know, the Supreme Court could um, try to take away rights such as contraception and same-sex marriage. They've said that, that this ruling could be a catalyst for, for those rights being taken away. Listen, I, I understand what this means, but this Pandora's box was opened way before this took place. This is just in line with everything else that's happening. Individual personal rights are being taken away in North America and all across the you know, Western civilization for the last two years. So I'm, I am not surprised. It, it's a big problem. It's it's a big problem, and no, I, I agree with you. You know, I, I think it's it, it it did start happening before this Supreme Court ruling, and you know, you you just you you would just hope that the government would leave people alone, and you know, as long as people are doing something that isn't hurting anyone or isn't hurting themselves, that the that the government would, would just leave people alone. Well, that's not the case, and uh, again, if philosophical and intellectual consistency is what we're going for. Justin Trudeau taking a stand against what's happening in the United States is one of the most laughable things that I have seen come out of his mouth because he individually has been infringing on individual rights here for Canadians for the last two and a half years. And I don't understand it. I don't understand how you can be, you know, pro-choice and pro-mandates. There are not consistent ideologies, but then, we have somebody else who wants to argue with me about electric cars. <laughs> it's okay. Chris, <laughs> thank you for calling the Carrasco show. Talk to me. What's on your mind? Well, am I on? Yeah, yeah, of course. Thank you for oh, calling the show, buddy. Yes. Talk to yeah, me. I, uh, I just heard my name. So, sorry, I was calling about the, uh, the claim you made that uh, internal combustion engine vehicles have a smaller carbon footprint than I never full said, electrics. I never said that. Didn't you say that? No, I, I never said that. I thought you just said that like five no, minutes ago. What I said is that going under the assumption that there is no an environmental impact by having an electric vehicle is a fallacy because there is a huge environmental impact. Oh. Okay, so so what I'd like to, to state then is that once you've driven a full, and maybe you already know this, 
once you've driven a full electric, there's been a couple studies done on this in the last uh, five or 10 years or so. Yep. One of them was a Cambridge study in 2020. Another one was from MIT. When you look, when you drive in a full electric over 10,000 miles, it, it, uh, it passes or, or it becomes more efficient than, uh, than an internal combustion engine vehicle in general. Now this is predominantly in places that aren't using coal for a hundred percent of the define power efficiency. production. Uh, what I need to understand is that yeah, they, define they, efficiency. they produce less net emissions once you've driven them for 10,000 miles versus the lifetime of an internal combustion engine vehicle. And I completely agree with you. So you and I yeah. are on the same page, but my argument okay. isn't that. Uh, and you know, it's, it's funny because I've, I've read a pile of studies on this and because of the responsibility that I have on the show uh, to, to be objective, because for me, it doesn't make any difference one way or another. Honestly, the industry is going that direction anyway. So this is something that I'm going to get, I'm going to have to get used to. Now, the studies that I've read have said, yes, exactly what you just said, that at around, I mean, in, in what I read is it is around 60,000 miles that it, it becomes is, is the tipping point in which an electric vehicle becomes more efficient in the overall production of carbons and what is consumed through electricity. Now, that is if you start counting that at point at ground zero, the moment the vehicle hits the road. And there is where the problem lies, because the environmental impact that I speak of involves the initial aspect of the production state of the production cycle of an electric vehicle. And from that perspective, is more damaging. Now, what you're doing is that you need to drive an ICE engine longer in an electric vehicle longer for those two to be upset. And at that point, it's about 150,000 kilometers. And most people don't keep the vehicles that long. So just so I understand, are you saying that the, the study you're talking about is including the production of the gigafactory itself in China where they're using coal? Everything, everything. You, because, you, you know, if, we are, if we're going to have an actual honest conversation about uh, an ICE vehicle in relation to an electric vehicle, we need to take the entire yeah. production cycle into consideration. Would you agree? Yes. So uh, yes and no. Yes and no. I think at this point, though, those factories are built and and the the electricity that's being used to power them at this point, that can be significantly improved on, especially in places like China, where it's like something crazy, like 95 percent coal for the, for these plants. Um, that's already started to improve and that can be significantly improved from what it is now. There's one. The Cambridge study I referenced is um, it shows that the that. They can be re- the, the net emissions for the entire production, including the plants themselves for electric vehicles, can be reduced by 75% as much as. So. Okay, so uh, hold on. We are on the same side on this, Chris. I think that we are on the same side. I, I think that we are. So I, I think that uh, what we're talking well, about is I, simple. Can I make another claim now? I want to see if you'll disagree with this claim because you say we're on the same side, but I think. It's clear that electric vehicles, even right now, where we have the the, the electricity production is kind, it's not as efficient as it could be in the future or as it will be. Um, even right now, full electric vehicles are significantly smaller carbon footprints than internal combustion engines. And uh, it happens only, quick. Only after one hundred and fifty thousand kilometers. 
And uh, we, we, we can exchange studies. And you have to remember this. You know, I don't know what you do for a living, but uh, I spend most of my days reading about this stuff because I have to. I don't have a choice. Yeah. And uh, for all my findings have pointed me to 150,000 kilometers. At that point, the electric vehicle becomes a, a more environmentally friendly choice. But most people that drive an electric vehicle, they don't keep it for more than 60,000 kilometers. So, you know, here here is my issue. Okay, I think that from an overall perspective, the intentions are good. I do think that at some point the world would become efficient enough in which we can produce these vehicles and the electricity they use cleaner. But this very second is not it. I do believe that hybrid technology is probably the way to go. I do think that is the best of both worlds. What's that? It, it is cleaner. You said it's not it right now. It is cleaner right now. And it will get significantly cleaner in the future. Yeah, and there I is. Just, I think that we just disagree on the timeline. Because I do think that they're going to be better for the environment at some point. I just don't think right now is it. But the last thing, I don't want to take up too much of your time. The last thing I want to say, I think it's interesting that there are studies that are saying, what you're saying, 150,000 kilometers. And I just read a study showing that it's more like 10,000 miles, right? I mean, that's so why do we probably, why do yeah. we do this? So just, you know, we don't have this argument on, you know, on air. And also because we are citing studies that I honestly, I don't remember all my citations and it's important that we validate our, our assumptions here and our, uh, our findings, you know, send me an email and, and, and send the stuff that you sent to me. And I'll read it. You see, the, the beauty about the show, Chris, is that I am so unbelievably not married to my ideas that somebody with better evidence can actually change my mind. Do you know what I'm saying? And uh, if, you can pro- if you can prove me wrong, I will love you for it. So my email is greg at gregcarrasco.com. Greg at gregcarrasco.com. Send me what you read. Yeah. And I will send you some of the stuff that I have been following for the last 10 years or so. And uh, in my world, Chris, I look at it this way. A car is the biggest waste of money anyone could have. If you have a vehicle and you drive that car for 20 years, it will have a significantly less environmental impact than if you keep changing car every two or three years, regardless of the fact that they're electric. Because production is where the destruction happens. You need to destroy something to produce something. So we live in a society that disposes everything. You know, somebody said to me that you need to live your life as if as if you're in times of austerity. You know, back in the day, you didn't buy new shoes when you, you, the sole just got broken. You just replace the sole and keep on driving using the same shoes. And uh, it's something that I actually still do. <laughs> I buy good shoes, but I don't discard them after they have a hole in the sole. I just put a new sole. It, the same thing happens with machines. There, is, there are so many people, especially older folk, that treat a vehicle as a piece of equipment. And they maintain this vehicle to death. It, it lasts them 20 years. So if we live our life from a disposable standpoint, you will continue to hurt the environment. And that is a bigger cultural issue rather than an automotive issue. But Chris, thank you so much for the phone call. And I really appreciate that you challenged me on this uh, in a respectful uh, and educated way. I love this. Thank you. I'll send you an email. Thank you, Greg. 
Thanks, buddy. Uh, let's take a short break. I, do, yeah, we do have one short break before we uh, we we finish the hour. Uh, man, that was that was very very nice and uh, and interesting. Um, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. So let's take a short break, Jacob, and uh, we'll be right back. Just waking up in the morning, gotta thank God. I don't know, but today seems kind of odd. No barking from the dog, no small. And mama cooked the breakfast with no hump. I got my grub on, but didn't dig out. Finally got a call from a girl I want to dig out. Hooked it up for later as I hit the dope. Thinking, will I live another 25? I gotta go, cause I got What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture. And if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. Darcy Tucker here, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. by our producer Jacob <laughs> we are back on air Jacob what happened man I see you just like frantic on the other side <laughs> on the screen what, what was going on there uh, I unplugged the mouse by accident <laughs> and I had to figure out how to get it back working so it, it, always a panic moment when that happens but it's all good we're back I just want to say, Jacob, I just want to say, Jacob, I want I want you on my team for charades, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Nick. I appreciate that. <laughs> I had no idea what he was talking about. Oh man! Well, that was that's been an interesting show. And you know, folks, I, I gotta share something with you because uh, this uh, this person who just texted me is someone that I I love. This guy, he's one of the smartest guys that I've ever met. He worked for me for a few years when I was running Oakville. Um, pardon me, Thornhill Hyundai and Richmond Hill Hyundai. Um, and the intensity of his thinking, the in intensity of his uh, thought process uh, is often misunderstood, um, but I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. And uh, he says that he's messaging me from the hills again with limited reception, but he listens to the show religiously here every Saturday morning. He says the Supreme Court, the United States overturning Roe has a massive impact in pulling away rights to body autonomy. The issues rising from the evangelical fundamentalist right with uh, the right wing loonies is not how we got here, though, he says. I took time to read the opinions of the justices and in both confirming and dissenting opinions, it is clear that the legislative and executive branches of the United States government had 44 years to codify the laws and protect that body autonomy. The role of the Supreme Court is to weigh the laws and how the Constitution applies to them. The Supreme Court is not designed to create law. While being 
adamantly pro-choice, he says, I actually agree with the findings of the Supreme Court that this is an issue that could have and should have been resolved by the federal government. Likewise, it's been 35 years since R versus uh, Morgan Taylor, I think is how you pronounce the last name in Canada. And we have had both conservative and liberal majorities and and neither have done anything to codify and protect Canadians right to body autonomy. People need to get involved in the political process. People need to engage with their voices. And to quote something that I quote on a regular basis here on the show, the fate of those who don't care about politics is left to those who do. And politics does not care about your feelings. When your feelings are getting involved, is a very clear sign that you are being manipulated towards a political agenda. And we need to start fine-tuning our thinking. Low-resolution thinking cannot and should not be applied when it comes to looking at what's happening in the United States. Because I can tell you, the United States is nothing more than a political wave that usually just covers us. You know, it will cover us. And there's nothing you can do about it unless you stand up and do something about it. Canada is one of the biggest culprits when it comes to the violation of body autonomy rights. Look, when the, when our prime minister, it is, he's still my prime minister, unfortunately, is saying that uh, people who chose not to be vaccinated, they still need to pay the consequences of choosing what to put or not to put inside their body. We are still punishing people that made a choice. So how can you be pro-choice and then punish people who make them? I don't know. I'm just a regular dude. (laughs) Trying to sort through my life and make sense of this insanity that I see playing out in the media and social media. And for the love of whatever is dear to me, I do not go to TikTok to get my political opinions. Tell me you're stupid without telling me you're stupid. You go to TikTok for your political opinions. Did I just say that? Yeah, I actually did. Folks, we need to all take a step back back right now, but not the kind of step back that the United States just took. (laughs) They took a 50-year step back. All I'm saying to you is this, that if you are outraged, and so you should be (laughs) about what was ruled in the United States yesterday, you shouldn't stop right there. You should continue with that. We should all have rights to decide what happens inside our bodies or not, regardless of what the government tells you. This is a, it was a sad day yesterday in the United States. It is nobody's business to tell a woman what to do with their body. They should have a hundred percent right to choose. But then again, what do I know? Folks, this has been a wonderful, wonderful exchange of phone calls, ideas, and hopefully you pick something from this. Thank you for indulging me yet again. We will be back next Saturday with three straight hours of radio extravaganza. And like I always tell you, take financial advice, money, Mike. Yes. Take my 
car advice because that's, I know what I'm talking about. Everything else is just opinions. Everything else is me just trying to sort through my life the way that you are. And I'm afraid, just like you are, but you're not alone. You have me. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. For those of you who know, do not make a car buying decisions before you come and see me. You know why? There's something happening here at OakvilleNissan.com. Your troubles and doubts Given everything Inside and out And love strange So real in the dark Think of the tender things That we were working on Slow change May pull us apart When the life gets in It's been an honor serving with you all. Autobots, roll out!